what bug moves would they? What offensive bug moves were there back then in Gen One? Ooh, there weren't me... too many. Um... Oh no, there there was not many, and there was nothing <laughs> impressive with it too. Like, what is she? What's, what's that butterfree gonna do? String shot? Like, no. Hi everyone, this is Leo, the Geek Scorpio, wanting to introduce you to a continuation of the podcast episode, some of the real-world pop culture myths, legends, and references we find in Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow, and Green. These episodes are going to be longer than normal, so we will be breaking them up to make them easier to listen to. If you have missed us talking about some of your favorite Pokemon, check out a past episode. But for now, we continue discussing Psychic Pokemon, and the podcast already in progress. But first, a quick word from the Magical Merch Booth. Hi everyone, this is Dean Dane and Zombie Hand for Gaming Theater Podcast. For the month of November, we have decided to team up with a great charity called Extra Life. Extra Life is a fundraising program of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. The Extra Life community fundraises year-round to change kids' health to change the future. Donations go to children's hospitals to fund critical, life-saving treatments and healthcare services, along with innovative research, vital pediatric medical equipment, and child life services. Each year, both of us have been doing a live stream event to help raise funds for Extra Life. For the month of November, Gaming Theater will donate $5 for each of our Patreon members. There will also be links in the description for each member of Gaming Theater Presents who's doing a live stream for Extra Life. Dates and times of when these streams will go live will be listed on Gaming Theater Presents Twitter and Facebook feed. Gaming Theater loves video games, and playing them to help a cause is something that we can all get behind. If you also want to help, you can join us on Twitch, help spread the word about Extra Life, or donate to our Extra Life campaigns. Thank you for listening to this little part about Extra Life, and now back to the show. Uh, I'm going to pull up the uh, the OG type charts for the psychic in the first game, because it is not like how it is now, and that's not even including the new types that were added. Yeah, isn't it that I know Fairy is not a type in in Red and Blue. No. Yep. So Fairy doesn't. Yeah, Fairy doesn't get introduced till Gen Six and Gen Two. Um, Steel and Dark are first introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have Normal, uh, I Fire, Water, Electric, Grass, Ice, Fighting, Poison, Ground, Flying, Psychic, Bug. Rock is, is a type and ground at the time? Yep. Yeah, rock and ground are two different types. Yep. And then ghost, and then finally dragon. Mm-hmm. Which dragon supposedly has no weaknesses to anybody. Did they have the ice weakness yet, or no? No. No, no, they did. Oh, they did? When, uh, when, dra- yeah, when dragon was first introduced, the only things, and that was one of the things that made dragons um, so... A combination of both useless... OP. And there wasn't much of a point of the type being here. Because, again, you only had the one line, and the only thing it was weak to was just itself and ice types. Ah. Which is why I loved my Articuno. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which is also why Dragonite's just like, oh, man, what a great dragon type. You almost have the greatest dragon move. No, you got the most, like, BS dragon move, Dragon Rage. It's like, you got a default of yep. 40 damage. Like, 40 HP damage. You could be a level 100 Dragonite that still only does 40 HP damage. <laughs> yeah. And that that was legit the only dragon move in all of Pokemon Red and Blue. Was Dragon Rage. And Yellow. 
yellow. Yeah. So there weren't actually like too many dragon type moves except Dragon Rage, which just flat rate 40 doesn't scale or anything. So yeah, wonderful if you're like a level 40 Dratini. Not so great if you're, you know, level 100 Dragon Knight. <laughs> which does that. Oh yeah, it's it's absolutely... Which is like 40 damage. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic in the beginning, but that's because everyone's HP on average is like 50 to 100. So it's just like, yeah, you can beat both Pokemon with just like one to two shots on with this one move. And that's because everyone just is weak, like you. Yep. Unless you're battling against other trainers that also have a high... HP or you know high leveled Pokemon, mm-hmm. then then Dragon Rage is uh, yeah. pretty useless. <laughs> At that point, just Hyper Beam, yeah. Hyper Beam forever, Hyper Beam forever. Oh yeah, which also made a uh, when Dragon Rage was introduced in the anime, completely just like well that was a there's like so much hype over Dragon Rage, just like oh my god, the most the horrendous things Gyarados has ever done, the most worst move he could never all exist that could destroy anything, just like. But even like looking at the actual moves, like no, this move is ass. This move is absolute ass. <laughs> and it's like it's like you know why this move was actually good because he had five Gyarados doing it on the sixth time. Technically, doing the math, that's like two hundred damage. That would take out most of the Pokemon around you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, that was deadly for you guys, because you were 5v1. <laughs> so moving away from Saffron City, because I think we've talked a lot about Saffron City at this point. Um, I was going to say, I think it's also because like Saf- there's just so much that happens in Saffron City. Mm-hmm. That it's just like, it's always at one of those cities that we just keep coming back to. Well, Saffron City has like, what? You're fighting Jim. Uh, you're fighting Dojo, mm-hmm. not a gym. And then you still have a gym in it. And I forget if this is where... No, this isn't where Snorlax comes in, right? No, you would have already... But this is where the Team Rocket headquarters is at, though. All right. Good old Sylphco. Which is also what made Saffron City such a big deal, especially when it came out, because um, when because Sa- I think it was with Saffron City, it was literally the big city that was just blocked with all the paths, and it's like, okay, why is this city so important? Just like, I mean, we got underground tunnels and all this stuff, and it's like, why are we trying to avoid Saffron City? Well, it's completely taken over by like a freaking mafioso gang. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, but then you also got Sabrina, who is, without a doubt, one of... You know what? I feel like when it comes to any playthrough through a game, Sabrina is possibly one of the toughest gym leaders in any Pokemon game. Being a psychic gym leader, yeah. And psychic at this time was kind of uh, OP, wasn't it? OP is an understatement. It was literally the game sweeper type. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, so... Yep. Crap, I'm trying to remember the... The full name of the Pokemon creator. I remember Fuji Art. Uh, Satoshi Tajiri. Yes, yeah, Satoshi Tajiri. Uh, okay. Not to take anything from you. <laughs> oh no! By all means, just like I. That's what I appreciate you guys. <laughs> yes. So there was actually an entire mess up that happened in the original games, which is also a reason that made the psychic type stupid overpowered. Um, because they completely screwed up its typings and its matchups against other ones because during the time psychic in this game only had one weakness and it was bug it was bug but what made it even worse is that get out there you little beetle (laughs) you got this here's the thing everyone knows that psychic is also weak against ghost yeah right not at the beginning (laughs) no this is where they messed up because originally psychic was immune to ghost (laughs) which also made 
goes completely useless because the one, the one type that it was just meant and designed, and we all know, for God's sakes, even Ash knew at the beginning, oh, ghost boot psychic because I'm not a dingus. No, they're just like, they messed it up. And psychic is overpowered because they were like, oh shit. Oh no, the ghost was supposed to be good against psychic and not completely useless against it. So was it a programming error or did they just put it in and forgot about it later? Oh. It was a program error, and there's a thing in the game, in the Saffron Gem, that shows that it was a gaming error mess-up. Because one of the NPCs, when you battle them in the gym, you know you know how you know they always have the dialogue or sometimes give you advice on how to beat the gym and their types? Mm-hmm. You want to know what one of the lines in there was? Hmm. It's like, oh, it's like, don't forget, psychics are weak against ghosts and bug. You know what happened in Pokemon Yellow? Hmm. They changed the dialogue because it was easier than changing it in the game, but then they changed it for all the following <laughs> games from that point forward. So they took out one piece of dialogue that literally says, oh no, we all messed up, and this dude rats us out. So let's uh, take it out from Pokemon Yellow so no one narks on us too hard. <laughs> That's funny. So a good strategy against Sabrina, I don't know if this was discussed in the last podcast, but what you do is you get a, you get a Caterpie in the Viridian Forest. And then you you level it up to level 10, and it becomes, well, a butterfree. And eventually, I think, uh forgot what level, but butterfree does learn confusion. And I believe at the time, psychic is also weak against psychic. Actually, I got the type chart for that. Here's, here's that the whole thing. Correct? It has, so the type chart for it is that it resists. Fighting and psychic is weak to bug and is immune to ghost. <laughs> okay. That was the original type chart. So it's like, okay, you have one weakness to a type that has as for Pokemon and moves, <laughs> and the ones that are do have a good chance against you with the best bug moves are weak against you because they happen to also be poison types. Correct. The ghost Pokemon. So Butterfree, yeah. Yep. It's like Butterfree. Like what, I what, what? Let me pull up um Butterfree's thing. Yeah, but what bug moves? Like what bug moves would they? What offensive bug moves were there back then in Gen One? Ooh, there weren't me... too many. Um, oh no, there there was not many, and there was nothing <laughs> impressive with it too. <laughs> like what is she? What's what's that Butterfree gonna do? String shot? Um, like no. Crossfizer, I believe, was around. Uh, no. Not in Gen 1. No, no. Not in Gen that 1. That was not a Gen 1 move. No, um, X-Scissor... It wasn't? I thought that, I thought that was, like, Scyther's go-to. Actually, yeah, so that one actually didn't, didn't introduce for a long time. Actually, even going through, because there's a, there's a series I go, a Poketeeper go through called MNJTV, where he has this whole thing where it's, like, the entire process and evolution and just, like, the timeline of what happened to these types of Pokemon while they went through. And also introduced, like, every gen also introduces, like, probably a good three to eight different moves. Because during the time, um, literally the most powerful bug move was Twin Needle. Oh, from, um, Beedrill. He has that. Yep. I use that thing all the time. It was so good. But yeah, Butterfree, well... Doesn't confuse to allow them to attack themselves. It does, but that's also only a possibility if they get confusion. Ah, oh, you can confuse a psychic type. Yes, but they can also confuse you. Oh my god, wait! There was another thing, and it was actually one of the biggest um things 
in Pokemon that also made him OP. So do you know how um, there was a special attack and special defense? Yes. Oh, back then they were uh, combined. It was yeah. It was just special. So they were a single stat at the time. That's right. Yeah. The thing is, with a lot of moves and types, some of them will usually have more priority if it's like a special or a physical. So, like Psychic is notorious for like ninety nine percent of the moves all being special attacks, which makes sense for them. Same reason why Fighting type Pokemon ninety nine percent of the moves are physical. Mm. Now, which also made the whole horrendousness that was why was psychic type op well because their offense stat and defense stat were combined and so when they have the two step and psychics had the highest uh special attack uh move stat out there yep so that ended up becoming a, a horrendous thing because especially nowadays they ended up looking at psychic one of the things that they're notoriously bad at is having low defensive stats which is I mean, it makes sense for a psychic. Most of the things are just like social attack offense. But not this time. It's like, no, no, no. Your offense is as good as your defense, and my offense is overpowered because someone messed up in the programming, and now we're all gods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by all, we we just mean Alakazam. Alright, so... Because <laughs> like he was just unstoppable. Gen 1, apparently Butterfree does not have any bug-type attacks. It's got two uh, psychic... T- or three psychic attacks by... Lo- by level. So it has Confusion, Poison Powder, Stun Spore, Sleep Powder, Supersonic, I think that's a that's actually a normal attack, Whirlwind, Gust, and Psybeam. Mm-hmm. I mean... Dang, it, actually, yeah. It doesn't learn a bug move at all. I mean, I, I, I went with Jay's uh, strategy when I was fighting it the first time. I just used Confusion and hope it beat itself to death. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So, man, now, now I'm just looking at these lists like, no, no I want to play the game called how many of these bug Pokemon even learn bug type moves? <laughs> In Gen One, how many? What are bug type moves? Like, I'm still curious. What are the bug type moves in Gen One? That's what I want to find out. What is the bug attack moves? Oh, I found them. All of them. Okay, there's only four. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. And these suck. <laughs> okay, Wh- who's ready to cringe? <clears throat> <laughs> Is this string shot? String shot times four. No. <laughs> <laughs> four different versions of string shot. Actually, string shot it gets the bronze medal for the most accurate one because pin missile is accuracy of 85. Oh my god. And then there's also leech life, which only has a attack of 20. And then the most powerful bug type move of them all, twin needle, <laughs> with an attack power of 25. Twin needle. And it's Beedrill gets that. <laughs> so what you're... T- oh my goodness. So what you're telling me is Beedrill is the only true bug. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Other ones know the bug type moves as well. Um, It's the only one knows oh, Twin Needle. If, if we're going off that, technically, you can also say... Oh my god, let me see. I think at the time, Jolteon also knew Twin Needle. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. No, it wasn't Pin Needle. It was no. Twin. It was, yeah. Okay. Is it Twin Needle or Pin Needle? Yeah, but Twin Needle is what they have at that time. Because they're two different moves, I think. Because I know Beedrill. Okay, yeah. And actually, um, oh, and actually, uh, Twin Needle was uh, and actually a unique thing with Twin Needle. It was also the one at the time, the only move that could, if uh, that was a non poison type that could inflict the poison status. Correct. Because it was meant to be for Beedrill. Yeah, to, uh, Try to fight against Pokemon that it's 
gonna be weak against, but oh, sorry, you're weak against psychic too because you're a poison type. <sighs> that is that is rough and sad. Yeah, but I I also find it hilarious just going through the Butterfree set, just like it knows one bug move. It's string shot. What a life to lead. You know what? Let's uh, let's. And that's like the first move, and that's probably what the first move you end up making it forget. Why do you need to slow down, Pokemon? Yeah, all offense, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, so another great thing. So let, you got y'all remember the Scyther and the Pinsir, essentially the actual big heavy hitters of the po- yeah. of the bug type Pokemon at the time. It's like, how great it would have been if they could only <laughs> learn a bug-type move. Scyther doesn't learn bug moves. That's right, Scyther learns uh, grass-type attacks. So, yes, Scyther's a pretend bug, according to this. Oh, actually, not even grass-type moves. Going through, Scyther literally has more psychic-type moves oh, than grass-type or bug-type. No bug-type moves whatsoever, and same goes for Pinsir. So, another reason... Why Psychic was OP? Because the most powerful of the Bug-type moves didn't even learn Bug-type moves. <laughs> or Bug-Pokemon. Well, this explains a lot, because <laughs> the thing is that I think after Sabrina, most of the other gym leaders are not nearly as tough to deal with. Oh, absolutely not. And, oh god, I'm, so I actually checked through all the, um, all the rosters of the stuff. And thanks for the bug Pokemon. Your best chance for fighting psychic Pokemon is Parasect. For it is the only Pokemon that is a bug type that learns a bug type move that also isn't weak to psychic. <laughs> Gotta learn how to leech life the hell out of people with this guy. Alright, so with this, moving on from this section, we'll go on to the next part of this, which... I forget how you would travel in-game, because map-wise, you can either go... Because you're supposed to go here from Lavender Town, right? To Saffron City? So, I believe what uh, what we did is that we... Actually, I don't even think we went to Vermilion City. We did not go to Vermilion City. We completely skipped that one, because, like... Yeah, because we went to Cerulean, and then decided to go up the mountain path, and then into Lavender Town, because we talked about yep. the ghost Pokemon, and then Mr. Fuji, and then all that horrendousness and then from there we decided to go from lavender town over to saffron yeah so now from saffron our option is to go dip back down to vermilion i think we should circle back yeah well because i think uh vermilion just like a city we we just need to like get to it and get out before we forget it yeah so vermilion because i think after that the rest we can do and go full circle neat thing about vermilion city i think we've talked about every Every one of these, of uh, the new Pokemon in there. Yeah, we have. Yeah, because when we were going up, we mentioned... Yeah, we already talked about the Diglett Cave that happened there. Uh, But this is also the area... Oh, this is where we get Sh- we can go Elder up. and Krabby, which is basically just a crab. Yeah. Wait, no, Shelder's a little different, though. Yeah, Shelder, Shelder's a nice little shell. A shelliness. Oh, Shelder. But this is also where where we visit the, uh, the SSN as well. Yeah, Shelder evolves into... Shelter is just basically a clam, if it looks like, right? And then it turns into a really big... Shelter goes into Cloister, which is just, you know, another... Like another type of... Actually, let me show you look up, because I want to see what type... Wait, so is Shelter the one that 
Shelter's the one that turns into that attaches to slope. Yes. Okay. So Shelter is the one that bites Slowbro and turns into Slope, or Slowproke and turns into Slowbro. I also love that the when they did that the first time in the anime is just hilarious to me. Gets up, turns around, realizes there there's a shell, there's a thing attached to my tail. Well, I guess I'm a new Pokemon now. I guess I evolved now. Like, well, this is a thing. Lobo. Right. And actually, one thing I always find interesting with shell of a uh, cloister is that it's also an ice type. And I'm trying to see, like, what kind of clams are in, like, the coldest areas. Yeah, there's a type of clams that go there called Arctic surf clams. They're clams that just basically are in the Arctic. They are extremely valuable. Oh, for clams, for the fishery department, for fishing. Uh, so, which kind of makes sense. So, a thing with, like, lobsters, for example. Lobsters become, uh, if you buy lobsters, there's different places that uh, lobster shells and their coloring will differ depending on what they, on uh, what waters that they're in. Which is why a lot of people will spend really good money mm-hmm. to get waters for, to get uh, lobsters from new, the New England area. Because they have to develop in a very particular way. It uh, typically, if you see a big, bright red one, it's usually the, uh, those kind of lobsters from uh, the New England area. But there's not as many of them as some of the other ones. So it's funny because this came up in an episode of Hell's Kitchen where, where they were advertising uh, New England cl- uh, lobsters, and but they actually bought lobsters from Northern ca- uh, Canada, I think, because it was cheaper. Because New England, the lobsters are hard, are way are super, are way more expensive. But yeah, there are clams that are in the Arctic waters. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's also... I'm pretty sure the whole icing is also the uh, reference on just, like, the fact that when you get oysters, they're always, like, on ice. And actually, even... Because mm-hmm. they're served on ice. Oh, yeah. Actually, I even uh, looked up and tried seeing, like, what... Like, which type of or oysters they modeled cloister out of. And I found the Pacific Oyster which is also known as the Japanese oyster and the Miyagi oyster. but Speaking of which, that reminds me of something that we kind of skipped earlier on in, in these episodes. Oh. So one of the things about Pokemon is that we're is that each of the Pokemons, each of their regions are based upon a real region in the world. Mm-hmm. This one is Kanto, the section of Kanto, Japan, which I think is southern Japan. Uh, it's also interesting to note, too, that that's like the, I think it might be the, only time that it literally like just took the name of the area it was inspired by and used that as the name of the region i think everything oh, else has yeah. a different name convention that just implies it rather than being direct yeah no kanto japan is the uh looks like the center of it's a, it's actually a prefecture it's a prefecture of the center of japan this is the only time in the pokemon's history where they le- legitimately just transferred the name over and whenever you bump into something like when it's first gen and they do something that literal, nine times out of ten, it's because they didn't think they'll get a sequel. It's just a thing in gaming history. We name it this way because, well, this is probably the only time that we did it. The most famous mm-hmm. video game example is why Final Fantasy is called Final Fantasy. And that story alone gets misconstrued a number of different ways, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because they didn't expect it to, but, yeah. to go. It, it was literally the developers. It was supposed to be their originally their last product that they were going to make it was it was supposed to be um hironobu sakaguchi's last video game project period um but it also happened to be kind of like a 
potential swan song for the company at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's more alluding to uh, Sakaguchi more than Square directly. Um, that's where it gets so confused uh, because people associate it directly with Square's end, which it was going to be, but the, the name was more so for Sakaguchi than anything. In fact, he wanted it to be fighting fantasy initially. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. Uh, when it comes to a lot of naming conventions, because with those type of things where they name it after something um, so specific, nine times out of ten is because they don't think they're going to get a sequel or anything. They don't think that way because they just made the one game and that's it. This is true. But yeah, uh, this is the only time that they use an actual region and name an actual region in from one to the other. Like the, the literal name of the region. Cause every, cause every other one is also just like a place. Cause I know the first four gens are all placed in Japan, but let's get that reference. Cause like, I know I also pulled a map of it. Cause Johto is supposed to be referenced from the Chubu region. Uh, looks like Hoenn is the Kyushu and Sinnoh is supposed to be based off the uh, Northern Hokkaido region. And yeah, even look at them map it's just like the the all makes sense on that just for how they uh, designed every game gen 5 is new york the aloha is specifically hawaii which one is gen, uh, gen 5? 5 is unova hawaii and that one's based on new york mm-hmm. which is also just like you know shows a um pokemon strain away from japan just like you know what um we're running out of area so let's visit the rest of the world with new york yep New York is one. I mean, it gives you literally limitless possibilities at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the newest one that's coming out, what is it called? Uh, Ooh, um, it's Scarlet and Violet. I, yeah, that's I think based that on Spain. Yep, Spain and Portugal. Yeah, the whole thing is based on... Yeah, it's all based on the Iberian Peninsula. Ah, the Iberian Peninsula. Yep. Yep, and actually... Yeah, people were... Oh, so... Actually, going through the list, so after Unova goes Kalos, which is based off France, and then Aloha, based on Hawaii, and then Galar, which is uh, England, Scotland, all the areas. Brandon's point, that is basically you have almost limitless possibilities. If you want to do a new one, you just move the location. Can't wait for Pokemon Canada. Oh, jeez. It's like, oh my god, a line of reindeer Pokemon. (laughs) Dude, what if Delibird gets an evolution? Hmm? Hmm? Listen, mm-hmm. listen. They go, they go with that kind of stuff. But actually, that's also one of the things I love with Pokemon so much is that, like, every sort of Pokemon, especially if you do in different countries, different regions, they, they try to stuff in just as many references as they just possibly can. Because it's like you look at one and just, like, you know, you, you think you think you know, like, all the basic ones, but then you start, like, okay, you just check out some of it and, uh, through a different point of view or this way. And then it's just, like, okay, the reference of this and that and this. Because, like... Honestly, honestly, after we after I end up we end up finding out that Zubat's French name is Nosferatu. <laughs> ah, yes, Nosferatu. It's like that. The movie that was sued into oblivion over the um, Bram Stoker estate. Yep. Oh my god. But uh, yep, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so if we're in Vermilion City, there is one new Pokemon that we haven't got to talk about, and this confused me the crap as a kid. Ooh. Farfetched. Farfetch'd. Oh. I love Farfetch'd. Farfetch'd Farfetch'd is super fun to me. Farfetch'd is the one I was confused on whether or not Pokemon were their own animals or Pokemon were are the animals of this world. And here's why. Okay, yeah. Farfetch is literally described as a duck. He yes. You know, I I fully agree with you on that. Because I was also wondering and when watching all the Pokemon series and all that, do you start wondering where did they get all the meat from? 
do they actually eat these Pokemon? I want answers. No, we go to a meat farm, dummy. There's no in-town butcher. Far-fetched. But there is Farfetch'd. So Farfetch'd is, I think it's literally described as a duck who's confused and thinks it's a samurai. Oh, no, no, no. It is not confused. It fully thinks it's a samurai. That's that's dope. I love that. It, it, it is full-on ready to take that leak and then take you to the most farfetchiest of farfetched towns. I'm trying to pull up um Pokemon data entry instead of this guy. Because I think Farfetch was also the absolute canon that, yes, in Pokemon, they absolutely eat the Pokemon. Because his data entry literally states, oh, it's actually uh, very properly served well with its leak. Uh, um, for a nice, for a nice hearty meal. I'm like, okay, it might be a hearty meal, but man, is that a a shock to these guys? Because basically, it's uh, all right, you're you're my Pokemon. I'll send you out into the world, and I'll also uh, use that leak <laughs> to season you with your own weapon when I have when I finally consume <laughs> and eat you. That is self seasoning yeah. Farfetch'd. Self seasoned. I do like Farfetch's. Uh, now, Farfetch'd is one of those Pokemon that does not have an evolution in in Gen 1, but it will have an evolution later. It evolves into uh, Galarian? Yeah, it has a Galar- Galarian form, yeah. Oh yeah, and Galar, and, and, and that's when we get into, yeah, that's where we get into regional forms. That's a future episode. But that's a future us conversation. <laughs> so yeah, but Farfetch'd. He's like, we're, we're kicking it back the basics. I like how far uh, how Galarian looks like a much more ag- uh, angry and stoic version of Farfetch'd. Yes, and the leak is just enormous. Yeah, it's a giant poking weapon now. Yeah, but then like yeah, it turns out if you actually look it up, no, no, English leaks way bigger than Japanese leaks. Yeah, like I, I don't. Oh yeah, no, if if you actually like look up like um, Japanese style leaks and just like okay, how the girls are like okay, nice little kind of like celery soft, but the ones that come from England. Oh no, that size comparison is not just for show. Huh. Oh yeah. Interesting. But that is a a weird take, but it is a thing. Different regions might have the same food that's grown, and they'll come out differently at the uh, on the other side. I think. Uh, and it's a lot that, uh, like that for a different vegetation. There was a long took for a long time. The strongest piece of wood that you can find was an oak tree. But if you want even stronger. You need to get one from England. Or at least that's what the myth behind the English oak was going to be. But who knows? Yeah, Pokemon trying to put in as many references as possible. Yes, even down to this walking duck's weapon of choice. But also, in this wonderful area, is where I meet our electric gym leader, Lieutenant Surge. Ha! I look, his name is very on the nose on that one. Oh, absolutely. But... Actually, I remember what the whole thing with Lieutenant Surge is that he's a he's a big part of why people would think that there was a whole like Poke War that happened in Kanto, mm-hmm. which is uh, what they tried using as an explanation on why there's really no adult men around. There's like elderly men, people like Lieutenant Surge, and then children. I fought in the Great War, sonny. And this right you saved my life. What year is it? Look, don't ask questions you don't want to know. Like, what year is Pokemon? Because that gets confusing. What year is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Depending on the on what you're looking at, anywhere between 1990, uh, 1988 through now, uh, through 2020, possibly 2050. But you know, if you if you also go through the electrical gym, don't forget to be ready to fight some Pikachu's, Voltorb's, and Magnemites as well. 
and a final boss, the lieutenant surges right you. And can we just all appreciate the level of adorable chunk that Pikachu was at the very beginning? Oh, yeah. I forgot how chubby and Chunkachu was cute. Yes. Chunkachu was best Chunkachu. Ooh, actually, that's interesting. I So it looks like in, in red and blue, Lieutenant Surge actually has three Pokemon. Voltorb 21, Pikachu 18, and Raichu 24. But in yellow, he's like, F it, gonna reference anime so hard, I'm only gonna have Raichu. But he's gonna be level 28. Oh, I'm Raichu. And that's it. That's all I need. It's like, I'll have one Raichu, but I need him to be a little, a little more OP than what you're probably going to be ready for. Because mm-hmm. by this time, you, you should barely have Pokemon in the level 20s, and mine is this close to 30. He needs to be beefy. Well, so, Lucinda Surge sort of explains, uh, if you're thinking about it, and some of us will think about Pokemon far too much, why is no guns made in the Pokemon universe? Because they don't need them. If I have a little pet rat that's completely loyal to me, that'll shoot lightning, what's the... Why bother? Mm-hmm. We even brought that up as a thing in um, the Glass Swords po- uh, podcast episode. The main reason why why a lot of the uh, people used uh, Obsidian as a weapon in in uh, South America, there was just a plenty of it, and it was easier than trying to just get more metal. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, how's that little thing go? If you have a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Oh, yeah. Like, in, 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 yeah, especially during the area, what is the point? Like, why bother trying to mine for metals when this super glass sharp lava rock is so much better? But, uh, yeah, so Lieutenant Surge, and that's pretty much it as far as the new stuff in this particular town, I think. Yeah, all, all you really get through here is, well, of course, Lieutenant Surge, you gotta fight through him. You got the SSN? The SSN, which is a... Yeah, which is also... It's, uh, the SSN is a reference to a famous boat. Just trying to remember which one it is. But the SSN, uh, from what I understand, is completely skippable. You can just ignore the whole thing. Ooh. But the SSN also has that one little reference and rumor of Mew being under the truck. What? If you just surf right next to it. You can surf next to a truck? You never heard about that? All right, I'm lost with that one. Yeah, and, okay. So the rumor was about catching Mew. And so you know how like Mew was supposed to be like under a truck and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, the people's, the truck's location was you go t- go towards SN like you were trying to abort it. But instead of aborting it, you surf across, you keep going to the right, and at some point you get to the truck in which allegedly Mew was laying. Ha, huh, weird. Apparently, there's Interpol in the, they may, Pokemon may not have regular police, but they do have Interpol. There's an international police agency that's running around because you bump into them in the SSN. Uh, so SSN or Saint New as it's translated in the in the Japanese origin is a name that they take from Game Freak's other game. And for those who have played the Sega Mas- uh, uh, Mega Drive back in the day, Pulseman. But also, its literal translation is. Saint Anne, which Saint Anne is a uh, is the name of another boat in France. So yeah, there's your long-standing Sega reference in this Nintendo game. Sega. Uh, all right, and uh, now I believe from here we can go eastwards. Not really many new Pokemon you know finding in the grass that we haven't talked about yet. Mostly just Pidgey, Sandshrew. Mm-hmm. Well, you're Route Eleven. Yeah, I see. Ekans, Sandshrews, Spearows, Drowsies. Drowsy, we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, we haven't talked about Drowsy, have we? Nope. No, Drowsy. So Drowsy... It's a tapir. It's a weird one. The what? Drowsy is a tapir. Oh, a tapir. Yeah. In Japan, they have like little rumor uh, rumor things where tapirs are... Like tapir beans actually eat your dreams, and that's what Drowsy is a complete reference of. Huh. Oh yeah, tapirs and dreams actually are kind of a thing Pokemon that comes again, because there's another uh, tapir dreamish Pokemon... That happens in Gen 5. I did find a name of the creature that he is based, um, based on. Yeah, it's called Baku. A Baku? Yes, uh, Baku looks like... Yes, because even in Japanese folklore, tape, uh, tapers were known for being able to eat people's dreams. And which is leading more into the whole ability of like how there's supposed to be some sort of like evil dream eaters and why they're associated with the monster like a Baku. Oh, the reference is... Let's see here. From here, I think we're moving on from Route 11 to Route 12, and after that, but I think every... Oh, Ooh. Route 12 is where we find the Snorlax. Yes, actually. Yes, because we ended at Route 12, I think we're making our way to Vermilion, so... Okay, okay. Oh. But, uh, would you, would you say there are some odd Pokemon around this area? Or perhaps... Well, let's say there's a lot of odd Pokemon around this area. Some seem a little more... Oddish than others. Oh, we've talked about Oddish before. Oh, yeah. I just really like it. You know, joke. <laughs> You're beaches and Venonats. You know, the bug Pokemon. That's not going to help you against a psychic. You think Venonats not going to help you? No. Right now, that the best bug that you've got your hands on is going to be that Butterfree. Venonat. Which I think is just a gnat. And Venonat upgrades into a moth. Hell yeah. But yeah, Venonat's just a gnat. Venomoth is a moth. Sometimes your Pokemon is right on the nose. They do not get complicated. Actually, is there a connection between moths and like poisonous stuff? Like, are they like other moths are actually known for being super toxic? It's possible that the powders that they leave behind on some of them might have a toxic yeah. effect, but I I personally don't recall. They do leave a weird powder at residue, though. Actually, that is also one of uh, Venomoth's data entrance where. It even talks about where how Venomoth is notorious for just leaving powder of poisonous powders whenever it just flies away. Or it just flutters its wings really fast towards you and just blasts blast poison us. And it's like, no, no, get out. I hate you and your stupid face. Yeah, the powder is apparently a tight set of uh, tiny scales that are made from the moth and it just sort of putters, uh, puffs out for that. But in general, those, uh, moths, uh, most moths' uh, powders are not poisonous. They do irritate your skin and eyes, though, so they get a reputation for it. Irritation does not always mean poisonous. Okay, so I'm also looking up some of Venomoth's names in other languages for funsies. It looks like its Japanese name is called Morphon. Morphon. Its French name looks like, if I'm pronouncing this right, it's Edomite. Edomite. Flying Mite. It's a flying mite. But then we get to talk about a big boy, the Snorlax. Ooh. The biggest of boys. Because this is where he's bumping to Snorlax, and he's just in the road. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love his German name. Want to know what his German name is? Sure. Relaxo. <laughs> Relaxo! That sounds actually surprisingly comfortable. Relax! Relaxo. So, Snorlax, I know that Snorlax's origins was actually from one of the developers, looks a lot like Snorlax, and apparently is just always wanting to take a nap. And so they made it a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah, also, I think at the time, especially in the very beginning, Snorlax was also the most tanky Pokemon you even could get in Pokemon. 
uh, super tanky. So, Snorlax, it, so there was a, one of the game developers, and he was Koji Nishino, which looks a lot like a Snorlax, and that's the one that they were, uh, that they modeled Snorlax off of, specifically. Both touching and upsetting. If you end up looking around at a lot of the developers and such, because there's so many of them that work on Pokemon that just, uh, out of uh, curiosity, just sort of add people in as some of the draw them in as some of the NPCs, just because. Yeah. I mean, inspiration can come from anywhere, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, actually, while we're on the subject of Snorlax, um, this also is a nice thing I ended up remembering in from normal types in the very beginning, where there were certain normal types and moves where, at the time, uh, normal was probably one of the most powerful types out there, because a lot of normal type moves is uh, attacks. Since they weren't based off the usual stats they are now, would be based <laughs> off the speed of the Pokemon. So a good example would be uh, Slash, and the power of Slash, um, the chance of critical hit would be based on like the speed of it. And during a time, it would make it literally made Persian one of the most overpowered Pokemon at the beginning. Because when you had a person with Slash, it could just, like, sweep everyone just because it could outspeed and, like, outhit it every single time and also get a critical hit every single time as well. Oh, yeah. It is one of the meanest moves that you can get, especially early on, is to get that version and that Slash. Um, not, not to mention that with a, with a normal-type Pokemon, another very devastating thing about them is that they also have the ability to learn the widest variety of move pools. It's like there's a there's really nothing holding them back. It's just like they're sort of just a regular being. They're just like I'm gonna learn this special elemental thing, because I don't have any other elements holding me back. And it's like can I? It's like I can do fire and water because I'm uh I'm just me. So it's kind of funny because the uh Snorlax is how we know it right now because is the popular uh English name for it because Snorlax is uh combinations name of snore and lax as in relaxing however in its japanese name it was kamigan which is a rough translation of kirby from kirby oh my god uh mostly because the way that his origins are is that snorlax will eat a bunch of food and then go to sleep yeah that's that's what happened here that's all he does he fell asleep he ate something in this uh on this path fell asleep and we just left him on the road because how are you it's Snorlax weighs like over almost a ton or so. And it's just kind of a pain to move him. And there's another road. We'll just leave him. And so that's what Snorlax does. Uh, it's also remember that Snorlax is based upon um, teddy bears or bears specifically because they are known for mass hibernation. <laughs> they eat a bunch of food and then they hibernate. That's what bears do. And then also with Snorlax, that's also the reason you had to uh, help out Mr. Fuji because Mr. Fuji was the reason. At the back of the po- at the uh, Lavender Town Tower is where you also got the Pokey Flute because that's what you need to wake up Snorlax. To be honest, I get this. I ate a bunch of food. I'm gonna go into a food coma. I'm gonna lie down. I'm not getting up for nothing unless some jerk is going to play a huge fl- uh, uh, flute behind me. I head. Repeatedly, fine, I'm getting up. I got it. <laughs> and also the fact that the, the flute is also uh, an item you can use in battles as well, and it just wakes up Pokemon. 
So if like sleep powder, where you can wake them up. If they're hypnotized, you can wake them up. If they use, if you wanna use rest so they can heal up, and you don't wanna wait two turns for them to wake up, but like one turn, oh no, I woke you up with my flute. Here's the thing: you can use that flute at any time, which means that inside those stadiums, there is a the the official Pokemon rules says if the trainer wants to play a song, I'm not gonna stop him. It's it, it's perfectly legit. <laughs> it's like, listen, this is a turn-based fight. And if they want to use a turn to play an epic flute solo, why should we stop them? Also, like, I mean, they're the ones that are going to be using this time in the fight to play a flute solo. It's kind of like the weird thing, like, we didn't... Which means that somebody else previously brought a flute or musical instrument in the middle of a combat fight, and they're like, we need a rule for this. What do we say? Alright, we, we, we let it go in. It's like, um... Are you sure? It's like, well, I mean, we let them use special items to bump up, like, which are essentially little steroid things. We sometimes let them eat halfway through the fight. And it's like, wait, it's like, what do you mean they're going to take some time to step up the field to eat an orange berry? And like, well, I mean, we we do make it turn-based. I feel like to make it fair, so it's just like to get an option to, like, do you want to do the thing or not do the thing? So it's just like, why stop them? It's like, as long as they're not trying to rob or sue from you, I think it's all fine. It's like one of those rules that comes in. It's like, it never comes up before until now. What's a really famous one? I think uh, Ken Griffey Jr. once was playing baseball, hit the ball. It hits the foul. Uh, so if you know anything about baseball, baseball is played on a baseball diamond, but they have uh, two poles at the end to mark the, uh, to mark two large lines on uh, on the foul line. Because if it goes on one side of the line, it's a foul. If it goes inside the lines, though, it's in play. Now, why this is important is Ken Griffey Jr. hit the ball once on the uh, with the baseball. It hits the pole and rolls over and into the stadium stands. What do you count that as? You can't find the ball, but it's neither on the line or on the other side of the line. It literally hit the line and went away. Huh. I believe they actually count that as just a home run, and we call it. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck it, a home run!" Just like, just just get on the ball. We'll start again from scratch. But yeah, there's weird rules. Like, you know, a rule is set in the game because somebody else did this. Now we have to have a rule for it. Yeah. I think in baseball, uh, not baseball. I think in golf, if an animal literally takes your ball and drops it off in the um. In the hole, it still counts as one play. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's a natural outcome. I uh, it was a, it was hilarious in uh, King of the Hill. It comes up once with uh, Dale Gribble, uh, Hank Hill, and the guys are going to go play uh, play golf, and Dale just comes up. Uh, all right, so if if a bird flies down, picks up my ball, carries the ball, goes to the hole, drops it off, off, we still count that as a hole in one, right? <sighs> Dale. We're, uh, what are the odds that's going to happen a second time? Which means it happened once. Which is upsetting enough. And it's like, it's like, might as well. You know, when in doubt, always go the, the Doofenshmirtz route. Just like, if I hit a nickel for every single time this happened, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't very much, but it's still pretty bizarre that it happened twice. <laughs> I actually had to make a meme on that. Um, well, I'm like, huh, Capcom's weird. They actually have two hit zombie-based game series. Again, yeah. weird, but they've done it twice. All right, so after this area, we leave uh, the Snorlax. Like, we replace Snorlax, the song of our people. Skilly-dee, skilly-doo. <laughs> skilly-dee, skilly-dee. 
we go south to Route 13. And we have... The, we have Dittos! We have Dittos in this area. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. The Pokemon that, that just won't be what it... It can be whatever you want to be, baby. The clone Pokemon. <laughs> like, Ditto's transformation Pokemon. And Ditto is... The, the interesting about Ditto is that it's crazy Pokemon transformation and stuff isn't really explored enough until, like, other gens. Gen 1, it makes itself look like the Pokemon you're facing and then uses its same moveset. That's all Ditto does. Okay, so interesting things about Ditto that I found out. Let's look up... Okay, so uh, some of its foreign names in other languages. So, it is also called Ditto in Germany. But in Japan, Japan they call it Metamon. As in metamorphosis? Oh, yes. But I'm glad you mentioned that, because the French called it metamorph. I think metamorph is also a French term. Hmm? Oh. Oh, what do you know? That's why. And actually, what's another really dope thing that I ended up finding is that it actually has a completely even stat pool, which would make sense, because it's, it's, it's a gimmick. It just turns whatever it's in front of it. Um. So, who wants to hear a... Pokemon theory. There are some crazy theories with Ditto alone. Oh, yeah. But this one is interesting because it's a connection that Ditto could potentially have with Mew. Alright, go for it. The connection is that Ditto's are actually failed experiments of Mew's. Oh, yeah, I heard about that one. Yes, and there are actually a number of things that actually support it. So, so one of the connection starters is the fact that Transform is only learned, even to this day, by only Ditto and Mew. Yep. Eight generations, only two characters have that move. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that their normal colors and their shiny colors are actually the exact same colors as well. Ooh. Uh, I'll say a lot of people are thinking just like, okay, Ditto can literally just turn to every sort of Pokemon just in front of it. Just like, but why though? But then we also have someone like Mew, where it's little data entry, it states it's just like, oh no, it has the genetic like makeup that is connected to every Pokemon in existence. So it can be whatever it wants to be. And if you've seen Detective Pikachu, the film, it can get kind of extreme on that one. Straight up into, uh, you know, creepy territories. Oh yeah, <laughs> The Ditto transforming, but its face stays the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that is very much Ditto lives in the world that is Uncanny Valley. Mm-hmm. Oh, have we already talked about Gloom here, by the way? Gloom, 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 Gloom. I don't think so. Yeah, because I, th- I also saw Gloom in the last one. I don't think. Yeah, because I already know we talked about the entire uh, Victor Bell line. So let's talk about let's talk about Gloom. And how it looks like it's high from its own plant. Yep, it looks like it's getting high on its own supply. And it's like, you know, Oddish is just little little radish walking around with its, with its little legs. But then when it grows little arms and its leaves turn into a little, a big old f- fat flower plant. What is the name of that plant? I, hold on. The fat flower plant that it's based on? Yes. Uh... It's based off of a genus of plants. The mad, mandragor- uh, yeah, the Mandragoria is what it's originally based off of. Because there's the Mandrakes, which is basically, you know, roots that happen to... Uh, is a mythical plant with roots that happen to also have a face on it. And it can scream a lot. It's weird. 
but it is based slightly on what's called uh, of a plant type called I hope I say this right, Raphilzia, uh, which is a genius of a parasitic flowering plants in the family of Raphilisi. I believe it's also colloquially known as the corpse flower. Yes, I think it, that's because it. it literally smells like a rotting corpse. Yeah, actually, I found that too on that, and well, actually, actually, love the fact that you said it was a toxic plant also shows why gloom and the entire bioplume line are poison types, poison grass types. Also, uh, if you get a nice little picture of it, sometimes those flower, that type of flower, looks like you know a thing from Stranger Things. It, it's nasty looking. Neat, though. Yeah, but those plants are on the grapevine family, so, yeah, they grow off of different vines and such. Corpse flowers are... I wonder if, uh, if corpse flowers is one of those things, like, we had to give it a different name because its original name is just kind of creepy and scary. Like, blood red is actually crimson red because it was... Crimson is a much nicer way of saying it instead of blood red. Right. (laughs) Okay, so I was double-checking my research on this. Because we, we've come across quite a number of poison-type Pokemon, haven't we? Mm-hmm. None of them bugs. Uh, no, bugs have poisons. They just don't have bugs-type attacks. Oh, yeah, no, no. A lot of bugs, like a few bugs Pokemon, half of them are poison-types. A lot of plant Pokemon, also poison-types. A lot of uh, poisonous Pokemon that are also poison-types. But I was able to find the ratio of the uh, poison-type to all the Pokemon and Kanto when it's first introduced. And out of the 152... 33 of them were poison types. <laughs> That's a real problem that you have there. Oh, yeah. Like, even to this day, just like, no, no, this, like, ratio-wise, this is the highest amount of poison types ever introduced in a single region. And you know what poison types are also really weak against? Psychic types! Yay! Hooray! Yay! Psychic type being super OP because someone couldn't do their job right. Except the dude that worked the dialogue. But then they called him a narc and took away his script. He's a narc. Get him. He's like, I'm not a narc. I just did my job right. Get to my level, scrubs. It's everyone else that messed up on this one. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. I'm doing my job right, not playing Splash on the computer. Here's the thing, right? So, Velplume, so its evolution goes from uh, Gloom to Velplume. It, Gloom looks like it's just high on its own supply and just drugged up on all recognition. Velplume it looks like he's just, they're just happy-go-lucky, ready to ready to have fun with their flowers. Oh, well, Lou, I, I feel like I can uh, explain this fairly well. Uh, <clears throat> Go me on this. Now, all right. Oddish is the beginner, just going by, just like, oh, it's got the nice little shrubbery upon its scalp. But then, you know what happens? It grows up and thinks, what is this shrubbery like? And then it gets high on its fumes and it's not used to it. So you know what happens when it turns a vibe plume? It finally got used to the fumes and it's like, okay, this is the good kind of thing I'm looking for. This is what it is, alright? Same flower, the difference is, it got used to the smell. You know what? I can get behind that. Oh yeah. Ooh, I will admit, that is... It does not have the best moo pull. <laughs> so I actually... Yeah, pulled up vibe plumes, OG moo pull. And... From the looks of it, out of the five moves it naturally learns, only two of them are actual attacks. And the other three are just powders. All the powders. It does learn quite a variety of, like, well, you got your sleep powders, your stun spores, and your poison powders. All your basic stat, all your basic stat effects. 
minus the burns and the freezes. Alright, so normally we'd go forward, but instead let's backtrack a bit and make our way to Celadon City. Because we are those Pokemon players that got lost halfway through Pokemon. We didn't get lost, we were exploring. You see, we were we were going back to Vermilion City, and then we just went back up to Saffron City, and we were just reminding everyone how much BS the second Pokemon were, because we needed to remind them of it. And it's like, oh, what up, Team Rocket? Flub you, you Mother Hubbards. Like, yeah. Ooh, actually, did we talk about the Lapras that you get in Saffron City? Actually, hold on. I think we haven't even gotten to the entire Team Rocket Tower in, in Saffron City. Uh, no, we did. We touched it, but not by much. So, so backtracking in this case, we'll end up back in Saffron City, where now, where one thing that we almost missed is uh, Team Rocket's special tower in there. Yay! Oh, Team Rocket, how you keep just doing bad stuffs. Stop it. Get help. You you tell him stop. No. No. Did that actually work? No. Ooh. Here we are. The Sylph the Sylph Company and its eleven floors of Team Rocket BSery. Mm-hmm. And throughout this yeah, time Sylphco. And Yep, Sylphco. Full of all the Team Rocket grunts and scientists you can fight. Now, with those fights, you can you mostly go against the Nosferaptis and its evolution Golbats. Sometimes <laughs> it has Radicates. <laughs> it's so cute. It's such a cute name. Team Rocket's whole army is based on numbers, not based on skill. That's why everyone has <laughs> has Zubats instead of like. Oh yeah. This is like, you know what? Well, we caught a bunch of these Pokemon, so let's just use them. Um, I do also see that some Team Rocket members have Cubones, and I'm like, huh, I wonder where you could have gotten them. Damn. Wasn't that where Team Rocket's old headquarters Anyways. was? <laughs> Which is super haunted now? That's where the current one is. Oh, yeah. Um, looks like the scientists are usually either carrying Magnemites and Voltorbs, Along with Grimers, Weezings, and Coughings. Yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah. Have we have we touched on Coughings and Grimers yet? We did. They came from Muck. Ah. Yeah. And let me see. Going through some more stuff. Ooh. Looks like some of them even have Dugons and Electrodes. Some have Machops. Damn. Yeah. At this point, I'm literally just like climbing up the tower and seeing like how far we go with like. How many asses do we need to kick in this tower? Mm-hmm. I am coming across some Mr. Mimes, Hypnos, and Cadavras. Uh, we haven't talked about Mr. Mime, which... You mean Ash's stepdad? What? Look, you said it, not me, man. Oh, I may have missed that episode. Listen, <laughs> it's like, the, the I know that, like, the kind of, in a series, just adopted Mr. Mime just to stay as a housemaid for Ash's mom, but, like, you know... He's getting a little too comfortable with Ash's mom, and it's like at, at this point, it's like people are, people are just saying like, are we are we going to say Mister Mister Mime should be like Ash's pseudo stepdad at this point? Because he kind of is. Your your stepfather is this Pokemon. Now I'm going to leave to go hang out with uh, Professor Oak for a while. You could be good. That brings up a whole series of questions I don't want to ask. Is but this is where you first meet up with uh, Giovanni, isn't it? Wait, we've come across Giovanni before, haven't we? Yeah, because we've, because I, oh, how many times, how many times do we fight Giovanni? 
Because I think we come across Giovanni at the Pokemon Tower. Uh, Giovanni's at yeah, because Giovanni shows up at Team Rocket's hideout, Viridian's gym, and Silphco. So we'll save Giovanni for later. The important thing to note is that Giovanni at this point is really bad at telling you that he's the, that that he's in charge of Team Rocket. Like really, really bad about yeah. this. He is your your mob boss leader. Does he have to tell them though? Because he's kind of always with Team Rocket, so it's like. At this point, if you don't make the connection, it's just like, oh my god, Giovanni, how are you conveniently always with Team Rocket? Whoa, he must be a really strong trainer for none of them to beat you. Like, yeah, totally. It's not like they're on my payroll or anything. Weak. Oh god. Yeah, uh, have, we ta- have we talked about Hypno, though? Not Hypno. No, we have not. And how Hypno... Is also in the same category as Kadabra and Alakazam. Of where did you get that thing? Because this this dude gets a pendulum. I thought it was a watch. No, it's a, no, it's it's a, a pendulum. pendulum. Yeah, a pendulum, just a regular one. He just goes back and forth. He just has it. Oh yeah, and actually, he's a he continues the whole thing with the with the whole dream aspect on it because he got Drowsy, the taper that eats the dreams, but then you got Hypno, who is the one who puts people to sleep. Oh man, Hypno is better. So what do you do with Hypno? Take a nap. Uh, that tip that will solve your insomnia right quick. Yeah, his whole basis is he would uh, hypnotize children and uh, have them follow him off into the night where he would devour them or some weird shenanigans. What? Uh, yeah, he was a kidnapper. Oh, yeah. No, he, it was. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's absolutely creepy with that. Mm hmm. He, he was a straight, like, Pied Piper style. Actually, um, foreign names. Its French name is Hypnomade. Hypnomade? Hypnomade? I don't speak French. But Hypnomade is what it looks like. And his Japanese name is Sleeper. Mm-hmm. Suripa. Sleeper. Go! Suripa! Suripa. Oh my god. Now, I want to hear what it sounds like in the Japanese dub of Pokemon. Be- because I'm, I'm remembering how it talks in English. And it has an echo in its voice when it goes like, Hypno. But now I'm just imagining in Japanese coming out, just hearing it, just whisper, Suripa. It's like, go away. I don't I don't need you here. Oh. And uh you know, who likes hanging out with uh Team Rocket grunts and scientists? A juggler. There's a juggler in this tower. He's the one with the Mr. Mime Cadabra. Ah, <laughs> oh, this corporate tower, which is actually a front for my whole crime organization. And I have goons and mob bosses and other and enforcers, and this one juggler. I, I'm still working on the details of that one. I, I'm pretty certain this was an accident, but we have a juggler here. I was like, no, not an accident. We just kind of like him. Ooh, this is also... So going down, so right now we're at, I'm at level 6 on all this. And some Team Rocket members also come with Muchops and Muchokes. So if when in doubt, poison if poison doesn't work, just beat the crap out of them. I mean, not a mob boss, but I'm putting it out there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's see, going through now that I reached the seventh floor, we got this wonderful rocket grunt with at least two cubones. This okay, this one I do like him because he has somewhat variety, consisting of like a coughing Golbat, Arbok, and Raticate. I'm like, you know, a lot of poison, but at least it's different kinds of poison. And not like four Zubats like the first guy. 
Thunder Sky's got four Zubats. It's not even a theme. He's just that's the only thing he can catch. He's it's like it's like three Zubats. It's like, I got a gold bat. That's just a Zubat but bigger. And actually going through, um, we actually one rocket grunt changes the mark and comes at you with Sandra and Sand Slashes. He's like, you know what? Poison's not working, guys. We're gonna we gotta show how well grounded we are. I get it. Yeah, you do. Now, this, in the seventh floor, this is also where we run into our wonderful rival. And where I'm also trying to wonder is, hey, bud, if we're going up a tower that 100% has a bad guy in it that is sort of kidnapped Pokemon, why are you battling me? Like, can't we work together to sort of beat this guy? Well, Gary. Well, it's go time. That's how this is. It. I'm like, fighting you on the co- top of this tower because it looks cool. Like I'm a, I'm a beat the crap out of you here because you, you beat me up in the graveyard last time while I was sulking when my Raticate died. So now I'm gonna beat you up when you're trying to beat him off, Yosa. Pokemon is weird sometimes. <laughs> oh, it is. It absolutely is. Ooh, actually, I am looking at it's Gary's team in Pokemon Yellow versus his team in. Team in red and blue. I'm noticing a few differences that are kind of interesting. So you know how uh, whenever he chooses his starter, it he has a a different rotation of what two Pokemon's going to replace like the other types in the triangle. Mm-hmm. So in the red and blue one, what you know, uh, his the ones he rotates with is Gyarados, Execute, and Growlithe. But it looks like in yellow. He actually rotates between Magneton, Ninetales, and Cloyster. Huh. And actually, that one, it, yeah, usually has uh, two of those ones to balance out which evolution it evolved as Pokemon to. Intriguing. Oh, this makes sense. So that's why, yeah, so that makes sense because that's why there's a rotation between the electric, fire, and water as opposed to the water, grass, and fire on that one. <sighs> All right. Is there anything in floor eight of interest? Nothing out of order. Floor nine? No, just... Man. I hope, I hope Giovanni pays these guys well, because they do not get paid enough to get their asses kicked by a ten-year-old. Look, this is a world of Pokemon. They should have gone Pokemon training instead of Mafia doing. That's why crime doesn't pay. Well, that was... Well, that that's that their That was fault. their fault. I think that's it for that tower, right? Uh... I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to find where in this tower we actually find Lapras though. Where's the tower? A scientist gives you Lapras. Okay, because it does say it's a gift in Silphco. Yeah. Okay. So there's a scientist that's been kidnapped by, by Team Rocket. You save that scientist, and as a reward, the scientist gives you uh, Lapras. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't find like what floor that scientist is even on. But you know what? Lapras is somewhere in here, and someone is just like, "Thank you so much. Take this endangered Pokemon." as your own, and go fight. And now you can go against Giovanni, who comes at you with Nidorinos, Nidoqueens, Kangaskhans, and Rhyhorns. Sometimes, if you're, if you're in yellow, it will come at you with a it will come at you with a Persian in the mix. I promise we'll get to Giovanni, but when we get to Giovanni's gym, which is also a front. But not a front. Hold on. Hey, hey. Doesn't mean we can't talk about Giovanni on the way there. Just like, you know what? He has a little bit of things. He's just he's trying to give us an introduction, okay? 
He's like, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, I got a side gig going on, just uh, running the criminal underground. And here's my Pokemon, so I'm going uh, to bounce out since you stopped my tower. Yeah, had another. But yeah, Silco, totally a front. What do they make at Silco? Who knows? Who cares? But from that area, we can continue going west. Let's see, to ooh, Route 7. Route 7. No one knew there for it. Wait, Bullpix is new, though. We do have Bullpix. Bullpix will evolve into Nine... In, is the one that evolves to Ninetales, right? Yep. Which always confused me, because... I get it. Ninetales. It's a pretty simple one. Ninetales has nine tails. Not complicated here. Bullpix, however, has five tails? Six. I just kind of always hope that, like, Bullpix will... As Vulpix evolves, gain uh, gets older, gets more tails. But no, it, it just jumps like a bunch of uh, when it evolves. It will just add the extra tails. So you're set with Vulpix because it just jumps from six to nine tails, just without warning. Like no, no, no build up to the ninth tail. No build up to the ninth tail. It's like, listen, I know, I know that this Pokemon is just you know one of the most classic of Japanese references, but just like. You couldn't give us a better name for the American version? It's like the, the English couldn't have a better name like Ninetales. Why couldn't we have a smaller fox with three tails? Tri-tails. See, I think... That'd be cool, okay? When it starts out, it's got three, then goes to six, then goes to nine. I get it now. And it like mixes with... It's just like, you know what? What, what Leo wants deep down is an even smaller fox with less tails. So it fills in the blanks to get up to Ninetales. Uh, but yeah, so it is... The Ninetales is cl clearly based upon the Ninetale Demon, and I think this is one of those weird cases where it sounds like that they came up with the ending first, then back went backwards. Because if you're going through mythology, there is uh, you go with Ninetale Fox, but you know we need something to to pop up before the Ninetales Fox, so that's where Bullpix comes in. And it's like, what if we just made a smaller fox with less tails? Should we make an even smaller one? It's like, no, no, no. I I, I feel like like maybe just like six tails is enough. Volpix hmm. is super cute, though. I will not deny that. It is. And I think, like, even in Pokemon, Ninetales is notorious for just also being very, like, mystical. So, the, you know, like, so even in Pokemon, they're not even hiding just like, no, no, we know this is a huge reference and we're going to use all the reference things we can. But is it just me or does it just sound like they came up with Ninetales first, then went backwards? <laughs> Apparently, in the beta version of Red, Red, and Blue, so when they first came out, they had to change. I, I need to look something up real quick for it, for it, because Volpix's original original name was actually supposed to be called uh, Firefox. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Firefox. Nah, Firefox. The web browser software apparently came out around two thousand two. <laughs> I just wanted to take a look at that. I'm just trying to imagine, just like, what if they actually trademarked before Firefox? What if they would have been called? What if they called it their website Nine Tails instead, and just like made like little dashes into Fox's tail? And it looks like it's a little city. A whole the Pokemon. Whole... What if? Uh, according to the, uh, there's like a figure because it's the Vulpix is a uh, English, Spanish, German, and Italian name is is Vulpix, but it's believed that it's uh related to the Roman god of fire and forge, Vulcan. But ooh, don't know if that's true-ish enough. Odds are it probably is because, like, like I said, any any sort of stretch that you even can find it, it they probably did do it, like either one way or another. And it's like, even, like no, no, like 
Honestly, I know I'm like the fact. Okay, you know what? We're going to Celadon City. The fact that we, you guys, that Erica was originally thought just like, oh, it's just Erica, a name. But like, no, no, no. Erica is literally short for the Erica sees like categories of plant species. I was like, how? Like, you guys, Pokemon will go to whatever stretch it will take to make some sort of reference. It's like there could be like a hundred references just in like all these names combined and what Vulpix is. So it's like you know what. Mm-hmm. The the vault being short for like Vulcan a stretch, but yeah, I'll I'll take it a stretch. But you know what? Like yeah, they'll they'll take it. Just like you know what? Every every everything pops out. It's a it's a game of how many references can we pull out of this mm. guy? Apparently, the Korean name roughly translates to six tail for both Vulpix, though. So that one decides to be on nose on that. Oh my god! But yeah, Vulpix will turn into a nine tails, and anybody who's seen a nine tail box, so you know Naruto. Should know that their nine tail foxes are a consuming giant and also a demon type thing. And the nine tails are definitely all mystical and such. I'm surprised they don't come with their own like type of mist. Alright, so I think that's enough for the vault picks and the nine tails for that. Yeah. But yeah, nine tails is a Japanese. Is it a is it supposed to be a Japanese demon or what? What the nine tails? Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's just the the basic tale of the Nantil Fox. That's all it's, it's, really it's based for. on the ah. mythology of the Kitsune. Yeah. Where they, every thousand years, they grow another tale, and they are mischievous uh, spirits. Okay. Cute. And after that, I think now we're on Celadon City. Yeah. Yeah. Celadon City is one thing that you will get here is an Eevee, and an Eevee can go with its Eeveelution anywhere. <laughs> yep, and you can get that Eevee. Uh, if I'm correct on this, is it, in, is it inside the... Uh, isn't it the giant Pokemon shopping mall in here? I think so. Oh, yep, there it is. The Pokemon Department Store, which is also where you can get the stones to possibly evolve your Eevee. This, that was the harshest thing to evolve your Eevee, because you only get one Eevee, and it's already a trek to get this far. But then when you get it, you can only choose one of its three evolutions. Mm-hmm. And it's also the biggest money that, like, yeah, um, some Pokemon evolve via stone, so right, Pikachu and the Raichu need to Thunderstone, Vulpix into Ninetales requires the Firestone. Uh, I'm trying to see what other Pokemon require a Water Stone to evolve. A uh, Water Stone? Because, like... Uh, there's a few of them. Cloyster, I think, is one is of them. Is Cloyster one of them? I might be wrong on that. Actually, I feel like you might be right on that. Oh, huh. Sorry, I misread this. Eevee's name is also one of the few Pokemon whose names are a palindrome. It's written the same forward as backwards. Yeah. Get an Eevee, got an Eevee. Okay. Um, I don't know if... Like, Eevee has, I think, at this point, only... Is it eight um, evolutions? Like, you, wait, not, you mean not right all now? Not all I know. Right now, Eevee has, I think, no. 12? Um, right now, it only has three. No, wait, not 12. Right now, it only has eight. Uh, right now, it has eight. Okay. Because it didn't have Fairy originally, because Fairy doesn't exist in, in Gen 1. Yes, and then it, it got two more evolutions in Gen 4. It got two more evolutions in Gen 3. But as of where it currently stands right now in Kanto, there were only three. Which was... 
uh, uh, Vaporeon, Jolteon, and Flareon. Water, Fire, and the Jolteon. Yeah. Vaporeon, Jolteon, and Flareon. Yeah. And I was able to find other Kanto Pokemon that also require the Water Stone. Which consists of Staryus, Shelters, and Poliwhirls. Yay! Yeah, when Eevee showed up, Eevee only had three, which is probably why when they released it as yellow, um, why Gary would end up having your uh, having an Eevee. It's just easier to to mix and match type. Which honestly, if you get your as your first as your first Pokemon as Eevee, you're pretty much rigged. <laughs> oh, do I need a Fire Pokemon? Just better get me a Firestone. And it's the stone that does the evolution, not just uh, not the leveling. So you know what? Yeah, you can. It's just right there for you to work with, and you know, you just you can just balance it out with whatever team may need. So, uh, since we're on subject of Firestone, besides Flareon and Ninetales, it looks like Firestone is also how you get Arcanine from Growlithe. Yep, Arcanine rules. Yeah. So, Flareon, Jolteon, and Vaporeon. Which I don't know if anybody else did this. I always went against type. So, like. If my starter happens to be a, um, like, Charmander, I would evolve it to Vaporeon. Okay, so you would, like, find, yeah, find the one to bounce it out? And if it's a Bulbasaur, I would, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's just me. Although, I tend to, uh, unlike a lot of people, I didn't evolve my Eevee right away. I waited until almost the end of the game, and that's mostly because I really liked Eevee. Eevee was cute. And you only get the one. Okay, honestly, um, I didn't really care much for Eevee when it came out. <laughs> I really didn't. For me, it was just kind of like, okay, cool, I got you, and I could turn into whatever. And I'm just like, all right, I'll use it for this fight, and then I'll just kind of throw in my box because I don't care much for you. Which is funny because the evolutions, what? There's like tons and tons of cosplayers that cosplay the evolutions all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, we have a friend that cosplays a lot. Um. Oh, what's it? The dark type one. Umbreon. Embryon, yeah. But I've seen Umbreon, I've seen Vaporeons, and I've seen Jilteons. Oh, yeah, no. We, I, I, yeah, Eevee and Evolutions, like, fantastic for cosplayers. Like, just number one, number one pick for a lot of people. Also, that sounds like a sweet band name. Eevee and the Ev Evolutions. Like Jim and the Holograms. Mm-hmm. They're truly outrageous. Truly, truly outrageous. Oh, Jim and the Holograms. You've got questions for these. But yeah, so this is where you get Eevee, and Eevee went to go through the evolutions process. And once again, reminds you that you need friends to to get as many stuff as you can, because that's the only way you're going to get all the evolutions. <laughs> I don't know when it is, but there is a point, either here or before that, where I stop, where I realize I just want to beat the game, because I have no friends that will let me trade. Because I have no friends that have this game, because I got Pokemon... I, I just... I got the game Pokemon when I was a kid, and I never got a. Uh, it was an accessory. It was expensive. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, I could never find one or buy one. So I could either get the game or the or the cable. I couldn't get both. <laughs> game it is. All right. So I'm gonna cause that here, and we'll call it, make it up next step. Yeah. 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 Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. 
you can find him at Parker GFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some financial support to help with producing things for gaming theater, you can do so at patreon.com slash gaming theater presents. It helps us out. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.